And we always think like famous people, you know, they must have it so good. And he's on this yacht and he's like, I just want to be an octopus. Welcome to Something Will Happen, a podcast about the largest Beatles music festival in the U.S., Abbey Road on the River, celebrating our 20th anniversary, May 26th to 30th, 2022. I'm Melissa, one of the organizers of the festival, and I'll be talking about all things Abbey Road on the River, held every Memorial Day weekend in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Whether you're new to Abbey Road on the River or you're a festival regular, if you love the Beatles as much as we do, you're in the right place. This is Something Will Happen. Something Will Happen. Let's get started. All right. Well, today we're going we're going to talk about um, when each of the Beatles quit the band and the stories and the songs that kind of were inspired by that. And I'm joined today with Emily again. Hi, Emily. How's it going? Hi, guys. Good. <laughs> hey, I always like talking to you. I like we're gonna we always have this cool like uh, analysis of the Beatles and the Beatles career and their lyrics and stuff. So this is this is going to be one of those conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super fun. I feel like we always get into like tangents and talk for way longer than we planned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think this one is going to be really interesting. And I think a lot of people don't want to talk about I was thinking even like it's kind of a negative thing to talk about, but it's not really. It's just like very fascinating. I think that each of the Beatles, like kind of the ending of the Beatles. I think a lot of people love to like talk about it, analyze it because they were such a big band. And it's like, how did that happen? And like, how could they have kept going? And like, I think we try we try to fantasize about like, what if this didn't happen and then the Beatles could have kept going? So I think that's why we do like to talk about <laughs> the ending of the Beatles in this yeah, way. Yeah, well, to your point about the people seeing it as a negative, where I feel like a lot of people like to kind of stick their head in the sand and be like, no, 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 everything was great. Everything was perfect. It's all happy all the time. But uh, mm-hmm. it is really interesting when you really like look into it, because I didn't know much about it before getting ready for this podcast. And uh, it's just interesting seeing the natural evolution of I mean, that's just how any relationship goes, friendship or whatever. There's ebbs and flows and there's certain points where you get to attention. And I'm not saying all relationships end like that, but (laughs) (laughs) but like I think they were just at their natural tipping point where they needed to go their own way. Yeah. And it's really interesting seeing the timeline and how it all happened and how it all laid out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the the timeline. Was was Ringo the first one to to quit the Beatles? Ringo was the first one. This uh, actually, this whole podcast is inspired by this story of Ringo that my mm-hmm. high school history of rock and roll teacher uh, <laughs> told me. And this guy, he was so funny, and he always had like these anecdotes and stories about the bands we were learning about. And you could never really tell if he knew what he was talking about or if he was just making it up and we didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was intrigued by the story. And so I looked it up. And yeah. It did you fact check it? I fact checked <laughs> okay. it and it's confirmed. Like I've got quotes from Ringo, but apparently when they were recording the white album, you know, there was already all this tension building and building between all mm-hmm. of them. And it got to the point where Ringo decided he just didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, he talked about how he felt like he was playing bad, like he was dragging the band down. 
there's even a, a part where Ringo talks about how he goes to John's house and knocks on his door. And he's like, John, I'm quitting the Beatles. Like, I'm not, I'm no good. I'm not doing any good. And you three are super close. And John looks at him and goes, wait, I thought it was you three. And then, <laughs> and then he, Ringo goes to Paul's house and does the same spiel, knocks on his door and is like, I'm no good. You guys are super close. And Paul goes, but I thought you three were super close. <laughs> and so by that Aww. point, he didn't, he didn't even bother going to, jo- or to George's. And he was like, well, you know what? I'm just, I'm taking a break. And he goes and he hangs out on like a buddy what lent him his yacht. And so he, he just went. Oh, it's a have a friend a with a yacht. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so while he's on this yacht, just simmering and he's, you know, got all these emotions about feeling inadequate and like just not happy with the situation. Um, at one point they get served squid. And yeah, which brings up like he's sitting there talking to like the captain on this boat about squid. And I've got a quote from him. He said, I stayed out on deck with him and we talked about octopuses. He told me they hang out in their caves and they go around seabed finding shiny stones and tin can bottles to put in front of their cave like a garden. I thought this was fabulous because at the time I just wanted to be under the sea too. A couple of tokes with a, later with a guitar and we had octopuses garden. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was so emotional and just heard this thing about how octopuses make like tiny little gardens under the sea and he was like that's mm-hmm. that's the life for me that seems carefree that's what I want yes uh, a life under the, story, the sea <laughs> I looked it up and I didn't know this part the story ends uh it says I got a telegram saying you're the best rock and roll drummer in the world come on home we love you mm-hmm. and when he got back to the studio there were like flowers everywhere for him oh so very sweet. Ringo. We love Ringo. That's so <laughs> nice. That's so funny how he um, could think that he's not doing a good job. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah. one of the best drummers of like all time. And he's like, I'm not doing any good. You guys are all friends and better than me. And so I'm going to quit the band. And Yeah, he really doesn't get credit for how great he is. And I know mm-hmm. that he got like they would always joke on him and stuff. There's that famous quip where they ask, I think it's Paul, and they say, is Ringo the best drummer in the world? And he goes, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. And it's <laughs> funny, but really he is great and was just so down on himself during this time. And it's so sad, but it's, it's a sweet ending to this story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that, that quip by Paul probably didn't help and that Paul drummed on a few Beatles songs too, probably didn't help Ringo's disposition but to you know kind of joke on each other a little bit that's just the nature of being friends but but I'm sure it hit him you know after a while of hearing little snarks like that yeah and I love that he was so yeah just thinking about the octopus's garden we always think like famous people you know they must have it so good and he's on this yacht and he's like I just want to be an octopus (laughs) that would be so much simpler than my life right now with fighting and whatever legal stuff is happening in the Beatles career and he's just like can I just get away from all that and (laughs) be under the ocean he didn't even want to be on that yacht he didn't even want to be eating squid (laughs) he was just like I want to be a squid (laughs) yeah it's crazy how that's the most relatable and least relatable story because (laughs) we don't all have friends that we can just borrow their yachts but I think we've all had the feeling of like can I just be an octopus like I don't want to deal with this too yeah. many responsibilities. Yeah. Or feeling like 
everyone else gets along, but no one likes me or like just feeling like the outcast or feeling not good enough. And and it's so funny that they were all feeling that way. Like every, mm-hmm. you knocked on the door and they were like, well, I thought it was you, yeah. you know? And it's just kind of the nature of being human, I guess, is feeling a little alone. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's interesting. Just another way that the Beatles show us their relatable side and their human. Yeah, they're just people. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a cool story about Ringo. So and next, um, the next one to quit the Beatles was George, right? I think that was relayed in the in the Get Back documentary. Was mm-hmm. is George next, right? Yeah, yeah, George is next. So the Ringo okay. one happened in August of 68. And then okay. the George one happened in January of 69. Okay. So yeah, just a few months later. Yeah, yeah. that's... That's very interesting. And that was, uh, as I said, that was shown a lot on the Get Back documentary. You see him leave. And I, it's so funny how dramatic that was because I knew it was ha- like, we know the Beatles history. And yet watching it, I'm like, oh, he just left. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, of course, like, you know that and you know, like, the end is going to be the rooftop concert. But the whole time I get sucked into it and I'm like, maybe they will do a concert in wherever <laughs> like miraculous place that they're talking about. I, at least maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just naive <laughs> that way, but no. no, I can definitely see, you know, just getting into it and you're just rooting for them, even though you know what. Yeah. Really <laughs> I'm like, don't quit. Come on, come back. But yeah, that's interesting. Cause you, you do see George's kind of withdrawal and his um, yeah, just his withdrawal from feeling like he's, he has any say in the Beatles anymore because it's such a like Paul is pushing everyone to do this project and yeah so when he quit uh I just know that the song I feel like we're gonna go through every song that came out of when the Beatles quit but um yeah and they all had their very distinct reactions to it like with their songs like it was very them each one yes Yeah, so George wrote the song Wawa when he was gone, which didn't come out until later on All Things Must Pass. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's what, after the dramatic storm out, um, because I've got a quote from George. Yeah. Said, uh, they were filming us having a row, row, I'm not sure how to connect that actually. Row. Uh, <laughs> row. They were filming us having a row. It never came to blows, but I thought, what's the point of this? I'm quite capable of being relatively happy on my own and I'm not able to be happy in this situation. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. And so he went home and wrote Wawa mm-hmm. in response to how he was feeling that day, arguing with Paul and just feeling the general tension that had been building and building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that definitely makes sense <laughs> why he would withdraw and just leave and be like I'm happier by myself than around all these people what am I doing Mm -hmm. and that feeling probably built for him for a while I think he felt like he wasn't listened to or taken as seriously as a songwriter for a long time so yeah for a long time and I mean it's the same tension it's not like it's a new tension for George than it was for Ringo than it will be for John and then Paul like it's just the whole thing that it builds and then Ringo is like no this is enough and then we're like okay we can you know let's try this again and but it never really got resolved it just got settled a little bit and then it Mm -hmm. builds again from that point yeah and it just it hit them each at their own different points 
it was the same tension building and coming the whole time. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like one argument with Paul is going to do it. Right. It's yeah. The, you know, the culmination of everything that was on all of them. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm looking at the lyrics of Wawa and I really like kind of the these lyrics. I don't need no Wawa and I know how sweet life can be if I keep myself free. And just that is like what you just said about his quote where he was like, I don't, I don't need to be around this. And he set himself free. Yeah, definitely. That's what, like you said, Ringo was very much trying to escape and George was just trying to get to peace, you know, which is mm-hmm. very George. Like, I just want to get away from the conflict and just be free, you know, keep myself free. Yeah, exactly. And he did come back. I think it said like five days later, he came back. Right. Yeah. And they continued. Did John and Paul go see him and talk? Maybe just John did um, to try to talk through it. And and then you see John and Paul like kind of have that conversation about him in Get Back. I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed Get Back. <laughs> I reference it a lot, but yeah, that's interesting. Well, who was the next Beatle to quit the band? Um, so the next one was John. Okay. Which was... Uh, September of that year of 1969 so okay a little while after George had his moment and then John does and I think he had decided for himself for a while that he was done okay. but uh he officially told Paul let's see I've got it an article that had a quote and it says uh he was in a meeting with uh Paul and I think Ringo and some other people and it said, then we were discussing something in the office with Paul and Paul was saying to do something. And I kept saying, no, 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 to everything he said. So it came a point that I had to say something. So I said, the group's over, I'm leaving. So I think because the tension had been building, he had decided a while before that, that he didn't really want to do it anymore. But it was finally in September where he told Paul. Mm -hmm. Wow, and that's such a John response. this is done, like, just burn it up, you know, the group's done, I'm leaving, bye. Yeah, well, that's what, there was uh, another, where I think it was either Paul or Ringo talking about that moment, and saying that it was very much, very John of him to be like, let's get the divorce over with, rather than uh, the quote, I think it was Paul, and it said, well, I would have probably lingered for a few more years, but he was like, no, let's just get it done. Mm -hmm. Rip the band-aid off. But even that wasn't the the end of the Beatles. Well, I don't know if there's like an actual date <laughs> where, where it's like, this is the official ending. Yeah. Well, so after John had said that, they were still doing, like they were still releasing stuff because they had been mm-hmm. filming all of the Get Back and everything like that. So John said he would keep it quiet and he just let them know. Uh, but they, they weren't making any announcements. And that was in September of 69. And then uh, Paul is actually the one who kind of spilled the beans. And that's what's regarded as the official breakup of the Beatles on April 10th in 1970. From the article I read, he was doing an interview and they were asking because he was getting ready to release his first solo album. Mm. And they were asking, like, is this you meaning you're you're going solo and you're leaving or are the Beatles going to be doing things and he was like ah it's a little bit of both like I'm just working on some things on myself and 
they asked him something along the lines of, well, will we see any future Lennon-McCartney music from you guys? And he said no. Mm. And so the reporters took that and ran with it and was like, yep, this is the end. Oh, wow. Uh, And because John Lennon had kept it quiet, even though he had already decided it was done, uh, a reporter went to John Lennon and Lennon was so angry because he had kept it quiet and Paul spilled the beans. And he said, Paul hasn't left me. I sacked him. (laughs) I sacked (laughs) him. I sacked him, which is very John response, just being, you know, angry. He had kept his cool this whole time for, you know, the publicity of it to not make a fuss. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty official statement just to be like, no, we're not no more. Yeah. You're not going to get any more music. It's subtle, but it is like, yeah, it is pretty blatant the official were april 10th man yeah so uh, <laughs> the official ending yeah i think it said something like it they didn't officially like legally dissolve everything until like 76 or something like it was sure it took a while for all of the legalities and the contracts yeah. and things oh boy but yeah that's i think what's regarded as the official declaration that's nuts and then both Paul and John wrote songs based on their feelings about the breakup too. Did those? Yeah, they yeah. they both had songs um, of their own. John was very John, especially considering how angry he was at Paul for mm. how he handled that situation, and he wrote the song "How Do You Sleep," yeah. which is such a clear diss track against Paul. Like, there's no if, ands, or buts when you read it. You know. Sergeant Pepper took you by surprise. Those freaks was right when they said you was dead. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. There's another one. The only thing you've done was yesterday, and since then you're just another day. Oh, wow. Like, there's some pretty, and then the chorus, you know, how do you sleep at night? It was a very diss upon diss against Paul. Yeah. And I think Dang. they had a few going back and forth. But the Paul one that was more less towards John and more just the reflection of the uh, the breakup. Well, mm. The one I found was "Man, We Was Lonely," which is just kind of talking about that general tension mm-hmm. that that we have talked about this whole podcast, where it was just building and building, and he is just reflecting that yeah, they were all really lonely. They were yeah. all feeling that way. They were all perceiving like everyone else was closer than they were. So yeah, definitely feeling, feeling lonely or isolated from the rest of the group in a time when they were trying to move forward with their lives and having kids and getting married and well, they were married during the Beatles too, but I think it was just like, yeah, we've talked about this in different podcasts, but um, yeah, like breaking away from that early Beatles where they were like best friends. And when you really need your friends around and then they're like moving or we're, you know, starting families or we want to write our own music and move forward with their own lives yeah well I mean and they were so young when they started yeah and we're just together constantly and at this point I think Paul was like 27 when mm-hmm. that when that interview happened and so they were all in their late 20s which is they're you know building their own lives and trying to do their own things career-wise you know trying to explore their own creativity without the band yeah and just evolving as people and sometimes that environment just can't sustain 
the, the friendship maybe because eventually they were all okay on on good terms after things died down but what yeah. we know as the Beatles I don't think could have sustained them as people because they were growing right right yeah yeah I don't know how long how much longer it could have lasted anyway it's interesting how each of their these songs that came out of of their of the breakup because they were all feeling lonely or isolated or wanting to move on but feeling like they couldn't because they're always tied back to this beetle thing I think it's interesting that Ringo wrote Octopus's Garden and he was trying to escape he was using this like fantasy to like cope with these feelings of Mm -hmm. you know feeling lonely with the Beatles and then George writes Wawa which is so like more a reflection on himself how can I take control and what can I do about this and this is how I'm perceiving it and trying to make his own peace about it and then John writing how do you sleep where it's like more of this angry lashing out in order to cope with the feelings yeah he had emotions he needed to release yeah it's more like that outward projection rather than George Mm -hmm. is more like internally like trying to figure it out and Ringo's just like I'm out in fantasy land like (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was an octopus and then Paul is here (laughs) and then Paul like but that's more like a I don't know what that, I, now that I'm trying to psychoanalyze them again, <laughs> that one's a little more internal too, or like outwardly trying to explain and understand everyone for the, from their, from their respective positions and like kind of stepping into each of their shoes. And like, we all felt this way and this is how we all were feeling, including me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Man, we were lonely. Um, we was hard pressed to find a smile but now we're fine all the while just kind of reflecting on it was a tough thing to go through Mm -hmm. but the now we're fine all the while like kind of looking optimistically at like you know it sucks that it had to end but we'll be okay Mm -hmm. exactly yeah it's such a Paul thing (laughs) yeah the the optimism in that even going you know having Mm -hmm. it be about such a tension-filled time in their yeah. history and that like it ends with now we're fine all the while but just the touch of optimism is very Paul yeah yeah I love that I think that's why Paul has like stood the test of time like he like I don't know I mean John would have too if he was alive but not that Ringo hasn't like, <laughs> uh, Ringo's a little more like fluffy songs you know like about whatever and Paul's more like let's understand other perspectives and I'm going to write about like, maybe this person feels like that. And, you know, even in songs like Blackbird and like we was lonely and in his other music too, it's more that worldly experience. I don't know. Just like he can understand from other people's perspective. Yeah. I feel like Paul, he has this habit of being able to touch really complex emotions with very simple lyrics. Yes. He has a way of capturing the feeling and it's like these big grand things and he just writes a few simple lines and has that touch of optimism in there that makes you feel better. Yes. You know, when you listen to his songs. Yeah. And so even even the sad ones, they feel bittersweet because yeah. Because of that optimism he puts in there. Exactly. Yeah. I think people like that having that little hopeful twist. 
yeah, that's why we still root for them to pull it together, even when we know how it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting. They're different. The, they're different writing styles. Uh, I feel like I always talk about that. And George is like, if you're feeling that introspective, like I really want to understand myself more, I'm going to listen to John, George's music. And then if you kind of want it feeling angry or want to like lash out or like, you know, John is more like, yeah, stick it to you. Yeah, that's one of the things that actually when I, you know, was a teenager, like when I was like 12, 13, first starting to really get into the Beatles, that was one of the things that I always talked about. The reason I loved them so much was that they had a song for whatever emotion I was feeling. Like no matter mm-hmm. what I felt, I had I could sing along to something. And I didn't yeah. realize it when I was first getting into them, but it's because they each put their own identities and their own um, personalities into the songs. And I didn't realize that it was because there were four very distinctive personalities writing and performing and like that's why there was such a range of emotion that I could relate to no matter what I was feeling yeah that's a good point it is just like there's such a wide range in there on different experiences and coping mechanisms and um Mm -hmm. it's all relatable in some way based on how you're feeling you can find something to relate to in their music yeah like that yeah sometimes you gotta pull into yourself and listen to some George and sometimes you just have to be angry and listen to John (laughs) exactly yeah Uh, well it's still good I I love like to (laughs) obviously I love to uh, kind of psychoanalyze them like that but um, and it's obviously sad that they broke up but I I love like trying to understand why they broke up and why they do what they do and unpacking this is really really cool and mm-hmm. um, obviously we're really grateful that the Beatles happened at all even though they yeah. had to break up but then they gave us four amazing solo careers too so yeah that's what like I, I feel like people do get very sad or have a lot of emotions about the fact that they broke up and like oh it, it should have lasted forever what if it had just kept going but I love their careers individually as well some of my favorite mm-hmm. songs are not Beatles songs they're either a John Lennon or a Paul you know like there's they all have individual songs that I like very much and those wouldn't have happened if they stayed together yeah exactly yeah I feel like we covered this in like um the the cancel culture Beatles one but like just showing us the growth to be able to like move on from something and go from like one stage of the, mm-hmm. all their lives into like the next stage and how they each laid a different path because they each had their own distinct personalities. Yeah. And, and shows that just because one project ends, no matter how successful it was, that doesn't mean you'll never be successful at anything again mm-hmm. because they all were in their own right, very successful. Yeah. After that, you know, you think of, I feel like some people would look at that and be like, well, that's the biggest thing I've ever done and will ever do. And what's the point in trying anymore? And that's not Mm -hmm. what they did. They all continued to create on their own and were Mm -hmm. very successful. Yeah. And it's interesting that we, I feel like maybe this is an American culture thing of like not wanting things to end, always wanting to ride at the top. I don't know. Like, I feel like people have a hard time when things end moving to the next thing or like 
maybe being successful and then being like a step below it or like not being as successful later or whatever happens, you know, I mean, this happens with like, I'm just thinking of professional athletes. Like you can't maintain that status for your whole life. You know, it's like everything is up and down and fluid. And, and I think we have a hard time. Like, we're like, no, 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 I don't want the Beatles to ever end. And it's like, well, you know, everything, all things must pass. (laughs) All things must pass. Yeah. That's what I, I feel like it definitely people look at things as far as like climbing a ladder when really it should mm-hmm. be riding the wave. Yeah. Ooh, because I, I know I'm just <laughs> analogy. Just throwing them out here. Um <laughs> but yeah, because but everything has its ebb and flow. Life has you can't as you said, you can't maintain at the very top one hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And if you don't allow yourself to ride the wave down and like just chill out for a little bit then there are things that you wouldn't create there are things that they would not have created if they hadn't let you know let one thing go to reach on to the next one yeah or even quit for a little while and then come back mm -hmm. I do think uh people I, I don't know I'll have to think about that but I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's just a people thing but letting things end people do have a real problem with that I Mm-hmm. I have a problem with the amount of reboots in Hollywood and TV and stuff because it feels mm-hmm. like everything is just like a reboot of an old show or an old movie. <laughs> and it's great and you love those movies. But I feel like a lot of that comes from the desire to not wanting things to end when mm-hmm. it could it could just end and be good in its own right. Right. Yeah. Just leave well enough alone, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes the reboots are great, but does it like take away from new shows or movies that could be created like a new storyline instead of this like reboot of whatever the ninja turtles i don't (laughs) (laughs) well i get it because people latch on to characters the way that people latch on to the beatles Beatles, i mean there are people but i think i think some people tend to latch on to them the same way you would latch on to like a tv character or something like that because for sure because you have this idea of them yeah. And that's part of it is that you latch on and you're emotionally invested. So you just don't want that to end. Yeah, I definitely get that. But it's good that you, we can keep reliving it and keep experiencing the, the Beatles and, and all these movies from like just re-listening to it, re-watching uh, Beatles movies and continue yeah. the experience. And even continuing to talk about it or find different people remixing music in different ways or having other podcasts where they discuss these things abby wrote on the river is a testament to that just because the band ended Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that their music or the feeling you get from it or the community has to end because we have all of those things yeah exactly i think that was a really good analysis on (laughs) on the beatles end if i do say so myself (laughs) that was really yeah it was really interesting i mean i'm sure there's people that know much more than we do and could talk for days and days about exactly yeah we're not scholars (laughs) we're not we're just casual fans but yeah it was really fun to learn more about it and to see how each of their personalities shone through in dealing with this issue yeah Exactly. Well, we're going to relive the Beatles at Everyone on the River in May. We're coming up. So I'm getting pumped. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm ready for the weather to get warmer and dance outside. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, well, thanks for taking the time to talk today. And 
and discuss all this stuff. It's always illuminating and we never know where the discussion's going to go, but it's very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I love being on here. I can't wait till the next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Something Will Happen. And here's another great review from one of our customers who comes to Abbey Road on the River. Joyce says, I've been to every Abbey Road on the River that took place in Cleveland, Louisville, Washington, D.C., and Jeffersonville. What I love most is hearing the music interpreted in so many different ways. I definitely have my favorite groups and solo acts, but I also make a point to take a listen to the up-and-coming bands as well. It's such a fun experience and something to look forward to every year. Thanks, Joyce, for that great review. And if you'd like to be shouted out in one of our upcoming episodes of the podcast, send us a note at arotr18 at gmail.com telling us which bands or shows you're most excited to see and why, and your write-up could be featured in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Something Will Happen. Remember that Abbey Road on the River is happening May 26th to 30th, 2022 in Jeffersonville, Indiana. To start making your plans, head over to arotr.com. There you can see the full lineup of bands that are coming, check out shows we're planning, book your hotels, and grab your tickets while you're there. Head over to arotr.com slash podcast and enter your email to get $5 of Beetlebucks to use at the festival for food, drinks, and our exclusive festival merchandise. For the most up-to-date information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll see you in May. Something will happen.